Hey, Rapids fans, you're listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. No intro music, no fancy, well-thought-out intro with a bunch of references from me. Saturday was not particularly fun, and also you're probably listening to this within 36 hours of the uh, 4th Fest and of the Rapids 4th of July game. So um, here we are, Rabbi's in a hotel in the City of Angels. And we're going to talk about the Colorado Rapids. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Matt goes, you want to just shotgun this or what? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I assume he was thinking we were going to both grab cans of Bud Light and bite into it with our fangs on the side and then drink out of it. I hope uh, all our listeners enjoy experiencing me in the morning because this is the first time we've done a podcast where it's morning for both me and Matt. So... Um, I'm on I'm on East Coast time, but me and me and the youngest child got up at five o'clock in the morning, which was always fun, you know, and uh, we've we've already taken a walk, had breakfast, joined a political protest and um, gone out for coffee. So we're having a good morning. And and of course, since we're in a hotel, Matt, it's time for Hotel Art on the Road with Rabbi in Red. It's been a while yes. since since I was the hotel art purveyor because Matt gets to travel for work more than I do. But Matt's looking at this over my shoulder. We've got in the bedroom of the two-room suite of the hotel, we've got... Is it a flower? I can't, I can't tell what it is. They're flowers. Um, They're black and white. I don't know if it's a painting. I think it's like some sort of weird like uh, black and white negative of like lilies or something like that. It's kind of pretty. It's I, I think it's classy. And then in the other room, we're going to the other room. Edifé is uh, also uh, the youngest child is currently watching Disney Channel. I'm not sure if it's... Oh, yeah, it's Bluey. By the way, listeners, if you don't know about the cartoon Bluey, it is really excellent stuff. Then we've got some, some kind of like impressionist, abstract, Rothko-style, low-grade lithograph here. Kind of enjoyable, kind of weird. That's an, that's an, from the two seconds I saw of it, Mark, that's an accurate description. Yeah, right. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, I, apparently the one art history class I took in high school was, was pretty useful. And I, and I think, uh, I think there's a painting in the bathroom too. And it's one of these kind of generic, like, postcard style looking, you can hear the echo in the bathroom better. It's a, one of these po- postcard style 1930s looking palm trees. So yeah. I, yeah. I think it all, f- I got to be honest, in terms of hotels we've stayed in, Matt, this place is really like, you know, S tier A plus art. Like everything, the three different genres of art, they all like flow well together, both in color and tone. Very happy with it. What do you think? They're all very Los Angeles as well, Mark, which I think is you know, like the the Rothko stuff would be something, you know, very, um, you know, like like 70s or like 80s Los Angeles chic, certainly. Um, and then pending what the flower it is and if it's anything native or anything that would be more prominent in Los Angeles, given how we choose to do our green spaces and and water things would be appropriate. And, you know, the, the palm tree in the bathroom, I think, certainly fits depending on what part of Los Angeles you're in. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a solid nine out of ten. How about that? Second uh, painting over the other bed in the bedroom, and it's kind of the same black and white, but it looks kind of like a uh, an orchid. So I don't know. But, yeah, I think it all works. And I think the most important thing, it's all inoffensive. Like there's nothing you wouldn't you you wouldn't look at it and be like, wow, that's really loud and obnoxious. It's not like 
different kinds of clowns in every room. That would be bad. Don't 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 have don't if you're staying at a hotel with clown art, leave immediately. Yes, uh, it's disappointing, Rabbi. Well, I guess it it makes total sense that we've yet to do a episode of this whilst one of us was traveling abroad because I feel like the places that I stayed when I was in Paris in December of 2019 was very much on theme with Paris and France, especially when we were in Rouen. And then certainly the places that I stayed when in my last trip, what this time, maybe 13 months ago, 14 months ago now, when I was in the Netherlands for the Feyenoord game, and then my mom really wanted to see the tulips, and my dad and I nerding out on World War One and World War Two are the Amsterdam hotels were appropriately in a historic and architectural and artsy kind of way, very Amsterdam, not in a red light district kind of way space. We were on the we we're on the other side of Amsterdam, closer to uh, the Anne Frank house. But so uh, t- take some pictures, Rabbi, throw those up on uh, on Twitter and we'll see if uh, if listeners like them and think they're uh, and I'll, I'll retweet them from HDHL. Um Listeners, the show's going to be a bit of a mess because that's the state of the Colorado Rapids. Uh, not going to do a full rundown or anything. Again, we are past that point from a quantitative standpoint when it comes to the 2023 Colorado Rapids. They played their first ever game at City Park this past Saturday, July 1st. They got a 2-0 loss against St. Louis City, all caps. Uh, St. Louis won the game, so they get to be City, all caps, for the purposes of this week uh, at Burgundy Wave on Twitter for me and... Um, uh, on HDHL. Uh, Mark Rapids come out. Kevin Cabral gets a great opportunity set up from Barrios just seconds into the game. Um, that was the one big chance the Rapids really had. Roman Berkey picked up where he left off in the reverse fixture between these two teams, and he made the save. And then two relatively simple, uh, non uh, non-resistive goals for uh, for St. Louis. First, Tim Parker on an open header four minutes in, and then Jared Stroud in the 11th minute. I have this technically unassisted, Rabbi, on the score sheet. Am I looking? No, it is not technically unassisted. Um, And there's a cataclysm of errors that led to this goal between Keegan Rosenberry and Cole Bassett combining to miscommunicate that led to the turnover at the back. Connor Ronan just absolutely cooked on the end line by... Aldeniran, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, where Ronan does just enough to neither inhibit the guy to get around him, nor does he go for the ball. That pulls Andreas Makshu and Danny Wilson out of position. The Rapids were in a back four in the first half of this game. I talked last podcast, maybe two pods ago now, about how that has been that leads to problems and plays into the weaknesses of Danny Wilson, which were on display in that game. And uh, Mark, I'd, I'd want to see a third angle of it. It's it's not clear to me how much of that was maybe a poor effort by William Yarbrough, who lets the ball from Jared Stroud just whiz by his left leg by two or three feet. Um, and y- you can't spot decent teams in this league playing at home in front of raucous expansion stadium crowds, a 2-0 lead 15 minutes in when you had your one big opportunity and it didn't really work. Rapid switched to a back five in the second half. The subs were fine, not particularly great. And the, while the Rapids were better in the second half, it was once again too little too late. And we're, we're done with moral victories at this point. Uh, this team, even when they've had the balance of play because the opponent is playing the game state due to being up a two-goal lead, um, it, it's too little too late. And the Rapids continue to be non-threatening without Diego Rubio, who was a healthy scratch in this game. He did not even and make the bench. Uh, Mark, big picture, things you want to talk about from this game. Yeah, so I'm working on a midseason um, 
uh, grades piece for uh, our Substack. Uh, you should subscribe if you haven't already. The free subscription gets you all the stuff. We almost put nothing behind a paywall at this point because we like providing our readers with with quality content and we don't feel like we should punish anybody uh by by uh by restricting considering how bad a season we're having um the three worst goals added performers on the colorado rapids are kevin cabral danny leva and darren yappy and all of them saw the field in this match kevin cabral's uh minus 1.18 goals added is mostly weighed down by his minus 0.47 dribbling, which means he loves to dribble at guys and lose the ball. Um, And also by his minus 0.20 shooting, which for a striker is just means that he is a, he tells you as listeners something you already knew intuitively, which is he's a very below average finisher. And so that was really on display this week when he got a ball in the first what, like two minutes in the match and just didn't finish it. Um, and I just, whenever Danny Leva, I know there are people who like Danny Leva, but he pops up and all I can think of is, you know, sub replacement level player. I mean, he is just absolutely, he's, he's fine with the ball, but he's not going to beat anybody on the dribble. He's fine on the pass, but he never hits that line breaking pass. He's, he's, He's never really been sniffing around the goal like Cole Bassett does when he kind of drops it off and so on. So when he came on, when he when he showed up in the lineup like five minutes before the game, I just looked at myself and was like, we're not going to win. We're just we're just not going to win. So um, and by the way, those three guys. So this is the, the numbers I gave you on goals added. Those are what are called raw numbers, meaning they're not per they're not averaged out per minute. Those guys all have well below the full amount of minutes that you could have played. So Danny Wilson leads the team in minutes with 16, uh, 93, but his um, goals plus is about is point one plus, positive point one one. Cabral only has eight hundred and ninety six minutes. Leva has four hundred and sixty nine and Yappi has six hundred and fifty nine. And they're at the bottom, meaning if they had played as much as Danny Wilson, we'd be even in worse shape. So and the last thing I'll say, because I'm I don't want to spend this entire thing talking about how bad Kevin Cabral is. And then I'll say one last thing and then I'll pass it back to Matt, which is, um, you know, the fact that we are paying designated player level money or at least half of the level of designated player level money for Kevin Cabral blows my mind he is so bad at the soccer this year and on top of that um is the problem that um you know once we went down a goal i was like we're done we're cooked you know our offense has been completely unproductive the team hasn't scored a goal since the game that i went to in columbus the last time i had a major vacation oh my god i know i know it's like it's we 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 are i don't i think it's I have to look it up, but it's four, five, six games without a goal at this point. So it doesn't matter how bad the defense plays because the offense doesn't produce anything. At this point, our only hope as a team is to have an incredibly fantastic performance from William Yarbrough, who's been pretty good this year, have a good performance from our back three or back five, and nick a goal on a surprise play because otherwise the offense isn't generating anything. We can't outscore teams um, and just an average performance for, from this team doesn't work because 
Yeah, it's it's things. This is unfortunately Matt and I agree that we're going to try and be short because we're feeling very bleak about this team right now, and we don't want to tra- uh, uh, traumatize the listeners. Listeners, watching your favorite sports team or your favorite team in a particular sport suck is no fun, especially when they have a, I'll say a historical track record at this point, Mark. I I feel confident in saying we've had, in terms of like the collective of the season, maybe two, two and a half good years in the history of this podcast. We're into what, season six, and every, the two good seasons that the Rapids have had in the time that I've having, having covered the club have then been, have been preceded and then have followed with just absolute disappointment so if you're somehow still listening to this podcast after we talked about the only fun thing which is the wall art in mark's hotel room in los angeles you are ride or die highliners and we're here for you uh watching your team stink and then uh isn't fun and then the last thing you want to do after that is then consume a bunch of media content where we dissect exactly how that team is particularly bad. Um, one thing that I wanted to point, Mark, given uh, the your stats bomb that you just did about the raw expected raw added goals or goals plus numbers is that that is cumulative listeners. So again, as opposed to combining this for the, as opposed to doing this on a per 90 basis, those three players have all played enough minutes for that to be a relative enough large sample size. And it also quantifies the fact that, you know, for the amount of minutes they've played, that's how negative of an impact that they have had as well. Danny Leva, who's approaching a thousand minutes with the team. And I looked this up the other day, Rabbi, has played in all but one game since his loan became official. Kevin Cabral, who, when he's been healthy, you know, after that, you know, period in the start of the season where he was a sub, you know, coming in and mostly being a starter. So again, like you play a lot of cumulative minutes and you have that much of a negative impact on the team shows that like, not only are you bad, but bad for a big time. Rabbi, I want to throw it to you. Was there a large thing that stood out with you with Darren Yappi's numbers? I want to feel like it's been poor finishing, but we've talked about that and that's mostly in the past in terms of of big opportunities miss and then thus a negative benefit to the team uh it's disappointing because it's so i'll say one thing that i, I pointed out with a couple players in the midseason article that will drop today or tomorrow which is some of the num some of the players on the team have some really bad numbers and some of those numbers are i think because you can't separate players from one another right so like i'll just give an example uh one of the numbers in uh goals added is is passing. And there are a couple players on here who have pretty shockingly low passing numbers. Like Andreas Max show has a minus uh, 0.32 passing number, which surprised me because I think he's a, he's actually a fine passer. But remember if you pass a decent ball to a guy and he doesn't latch onto it, the Opta scorer has the choice of calling that a bad pass or a bad reception, right? And so, and they're not, and they're they won't be tracked as both. They won't you won't tick both boxes as the Opta score. So there's some subjectiveness if you have players who, or another thing like that pass that you mentioned that turned out to be the second goal was that a bad pass or was that a bad reception because the player hinked in one direction, looking like he was going to go in that direction and then didn't actually make that run. So it's and there to- was a lot of that in this game. All right. The, so, the X goal chain was poor. Right. So when, so when two players, one makes a bad decision and the other one anticipated something that didn't actually come to fruition, 
it's up to the Opta guy to decide which of those two guys is going to get responsibility. They're not going to put 50-50 responsibility on it. So the reality is every time Andreas Show makes a pass and a guy doesn't get on the end of it because he's too slow or he took a, a bad start or he pushed off wrong or he started in the wrong direction – Maybe he's going to get dinged for that. And that happens with defenders, right? If you, if either the midfielder doesn't defend properly, then you're pushing a, a, a defender into a, a final play, right? Like yada, yada, yada. Point being, literally, Matt, all of Darren Yappi's numbers across the board are bad. There's not a single number on here except interrupting that's kind of like even okay. His receiving numbers and his dribbling numbers are exceptionally poor. So they they generally think that he's bad with the ball at his feet for a striker bad with uh latching onto the end of a ball and his shooting numbers are as we know for a guy who is o for the season on attempts are not good now you know um kobe bryant was famous for saying i'd go o for 100 before i'd go o for 20 which is another way of saying I will keep shooting until my until I get the hot hand, right? Shooters shoot. And so that's the thing with Darren Yappi, which is like he's been basically advised, like work through the lack of success in finishing. Um, and that's not a terrible idea in the sense that Daniel Shallowy had a season where he went like over a billion on shots and everyone was like, what's wrong with this kid? And then the next season, those balls went in and he was fine. And he's now considered an above average finisher in, in MLS. That's maybe where Yappi is. He just he's just been snake bit all season, but the other numbers imply that he's just not ready for prime time. We probably should have him down at Rapids too, rebuilding his confidence and and his finishing stroke. Um, but we're pressed because with Diego Rubio hurt, there's just no other options. So this is a this is a team full of guys like that where it's like listen. I mean, Daniel Leva is a good example of that. Like, I think Lal Sabubakar has been bad enough this season where it's like, you know, if we had another option, we wouldn't go with you, but we don't have another option. So try and produce above average finish, uh, above average results, despite the fact that all evidence points to you being a below average player. Yeah, no, that that was going to be my next point, Mark, which is uh, I started the transfer. I started a, a transfer tracker, a rumor tracker on Burgundy Wave like we did this past winter for that season. And I included Marco Ilicha and Danny Leva, who have loans where obviously there's a, a, a possibility that they don't stay with the team by the time the transfer window closes on August 5th. And it's, or it's August 5th, listeners. And then it's technically uh, it's Wednesday this week, I believe, July 5th. 5th or July 6th when the window actually opens. And so I argued, Mark, that um, that uh, both teams, Seattle and Colorado, reserve the right to terminate the loan for Danny Leva early. And I argued that they're unlikely to do that. Seattle just has to look at this purely from a he's getting minutes and he's on track to play more minutes with Colorado on loan than he has in any MLS season with the Sounders. That's a net positive for him. And Danny Leva's filling a role because Cole Bassett, Max Alves, when he was with the team, and Brian Galvan have had to play in more advanced attacking roles because Diego Rubio's not there. That limits the amount of depth they have in the more eight-number position. Obviously, Jack Price is out for the year in that season, and he's... 
Yeah, and then and you combine that with I th- I think Leva is a different of enough player for compared to Brian Acosta or compared to Ralph Prizo where that makes it enough value enough value added and just he's a different type of piece you know he's a uh, he he's a different sized. Um, uh, drill for the ele- or, or you know drill nut size mark for the electric drill for um for Robin Frazier even if it's leakly and it's kind of worn down and it strips away and and it strips away the bolts and everything like he he's different enough to where it warrants keeping him around and if you do ship him back to Seattle Sounders unless it's with the goal of bringing in somebody else immediately you just again have lesser and less depth right now is there a reality within the Colorado Rapids multiverse where the organization says Yosuke Hanya has been has proven himself within the organization if he were to stay with Rapids too. He's in the conversation for MLS Next Pro MVP. He's absolutely a best 11 player in MLS Next Pro. This warrants us giving him a proper shot to earn a spot with the first team next year. Let's send Danny Leva back on loan. Let's give Yosuke Hanya a proper first team contract because now that's what they have to do with him. Or you could make, uh, you know, it, it could be Marlon Vargas in this situation, Mark. It could be Ali Laraz coming back into the first team. And you do it with re- replacing Danny Leva with an equivalent or maybe even slightly worse player who could grow into that role, who's within the club, who you know for a fact you have control over them returning to the team, where obviously the Rapids don't have an option to buy on Leva going into 2024, I could be talked into that conversation. In lieu of that, Leva's filling enough of an existing hole where this team is poor to where it's like, Ah, who cares? But also, Mark, we're, we're at the point where, you know, th- this team needs to play at a supporter shield clip in order to avoid uh, in order to make the playoffs at this point. And this team has to play like just a bang average playoff team in order to not have one of their worst seasons in club history based on the 34 game format. Uh, Jason Maxwell had the had the tweet the other day, Mark, I, I don't have it in front of me, but basically like we're, we're we're in the territory now, folks, not only is this team should be considered a favorite for the wooden spoon, we need to start having the conversation. Is this team on track to be one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer history based on 34 game format? not playing with the long NASL 40-yard um, shoot shootouts that then prevent draws from happening. We are in 2013 DC United, FC Cincinnati expansion season, playing a bunch of USL guys territory. That is how bad this team the is. The specific records that we could start to break, which are also in my article, are about fewest wins in a season. So we may mm-hmm. actually wind up you know, in the with the 15th worst season in, in MLS history, which wouldn't be terrible. I, this is a ridiculous thing to be talking about, but it's where we're at. But if we finish with uh, fewer than with five or fewer wins, which considering that we're at two wins after 17 games is a real possibility, um, we're we're looking at being in a very rarefied era of teams. There's only, I think, seven teams in Major League Soccer who've won five or fewer games in a season. And we're about to join that. And the Rapids have never been that bad. So um, and I think that's another thing to be notable here, which is like. Uh, 2013 DC United was horrendous in that they mostly lost, right? They, they, they won a few games, but they didn't draw much either. Like the Colorado Rapids are gonna mostly draw and lose. They're gonna be a team that, you know, stretched out a couple, a a bunch of nil-nil draws over the season. And that's not really exciting or anything. The one thing I was gonna say, just one last simple thing, Matt, is, um, to your point about Leva and the loan, moving guys up from R2, all this stuff... 
the question is, is the is the front office resigned to just saying the season's over? Let's not spend any money or do anything radical. Let's let these guys play out the clip and rebuild over the offseason. Or is there anything in the front office that's saying, like, let's let's make a move that might save the season? Because I think a, a buy of one big player or a move of two major players or three players, you know, bringing a guy up from from R two plus you know um, in, an in league trade plus a buy of a of a top notch you know DP from abroad that could get this team into a situation where I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen um, Seattle where they were horrible halfway through the season and then the 20, 2016 mark twenty sixteen was that was the season when they just kind yeah, of turned on the because, afterburners because uh, I think they I think they mutually parted ways with Siggy and then Nico Lodero came in ah, and right Ben Bear on extra time predicted that they'd miss the playoffs and the rest was history yeah yeah so you it's doable right you can go from worst to first in this league or worst worst to MLS Cup in this league at this time you have to make moves. Um, do I think the Colorado Rapids are going to do that? No way, no way, no way, no way. Um, and by the way, if you go to the MGM betting odds right now, I believe, uh, if you put down a hundred bucks on the Colorado Rapids to win, uh, uh, um, MLS cup, you'd come, you'd walk home in October, November with $50,000. Would I put that hundred dollars down? No way. (laughs) But but that's how far out it is right now. What? Yeah, so you're talking Leicester City odds at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, just a, a few other things that I want to talk about, Mark, to, the, to your point about like we're running out of runway listeners. You know, we're first of all, we're going into the 4th of July game where the team hasn't won a home game. They've got three straight home games coming up. I did not look at this. I didn't realize this on the schedule, Mark. So obviously it's tomorrow at time of recording against Portland Timbers. <laughs> and then it's Saturday. You've got FC Dallas for Drew Moore's Gallery of Honor induction at halftime. And then you've got one of the other Texas teams, Houston on Saturday, July 15th. And then we have the break of almost a month for Leagues Cup. Rapids obviously get a home game, albeit against uh, Liga Mekis team in that time. But then in terms of home games that you've got left, Rabbi, you're talking New England Revolution on September 16th. It is mathematically possible, listeners, that the Rapids are eliminated from playoff contention on or the week of that date. You've got Seattle on September 20th. So, you know, one of the top teams, in, two of the top teams in MLS, that's going to be pretty tough. You've got the rescheduled Vancouver game that now creates a three game in eight day period against Vancouver on September the 27th. You've got Austin on September 30th. And by that point, Mark, it's the final five games of the season. The next three after the there's so there's those three home games that I just mentioned all in July. And then the Rapids don't have a single home game in the month of August, I believe, including League's Cup or it's might I think it's August 1st, whatever that Monday is, is League's Cup home game. Isn't the Toluca game (laughs) at Dick's? Yes, the Toluca game. But I'm saying and that's not going to feel like a home game. I mean, any yes in in the United States, in a in any city with a huge Latino population, you're going to feel like you're playing an away game. I mean, I remember when the um, the All Star game was at Dick's in 2015, and I went to the um, I only went to the U23 uh, you know young players game, and there were so many Club America fans there. I learned what all their cheers were because they were deafening. I mean, Toluca fans are going to absolutely 
overtake it. It's going to feel like an away game. Anyway. Yeah, and then and also that Mark Tunka is one of the clubs that you have at altitude, so it's not like Oh, they're going to kill us. The <laughs> yeah. That game's going to be a disaster for us. We'll, okay. we'll talk about that down the road. Yeah, so Rabbi then, so September 16th, September 20th, you've got the two home games that I mentioned against tough opposition, and then you've got three home games in the final five games of the season, where it's Vancouver on the 27th, Austin on the 30th, who knows if, uh, who knows if either team have anything to play for at that point, but obviously Austin have Driussi, and then of course, Rabbi, in the cruel, in the cruel irony and the um, cynicism that is the MLS script writers, the Rapids have the third leg well the it, it, it's not relevant for the rocky mountain cup the rapids have rsl on october 21st for decision day as well so like there, there's a very real possibility listeners if the rapids don't do anything in these next three games that they have fourth of july the 8th the 15th all at home all on days off for you assuming you get fourth of july off that the next time the rapids have a home game there's a possibility they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and there's a very real possibility if they don't get a home win in these next uh, 11, 12 days, that by the time they do get a home win, since I don't think they beat New England, I don't think they beat Seattle in mid-September, that by the time the Rapids do win a home game, the season's already like the season's already over. That first home win could come in mathematically or effectively garbage time. Um I mean, this is I, I, this week has to be Custard's last stand, Mark, which leads us into um, this coming Tuesday and this coming Saturday at the Richard in Commerce City, Colorado. The Rapids will be first hosting the Portland Timbers and then FC Dallas. Um, Mark, uh, the Rapids have not they've not played Portland. Yes. Yes. Because their their game at Portland is on September 23rd. So we haven't yet seen this team. Um, Mark, they're not particularly good. The Chiraz have not been particularly healthy. Obviously, uh, Williamson Williams, the um, the holding midfielder American who's been on the fringes of the national team, is out with a, another major injury. Evander has come in and been inconsistent, but when he's been good, he's been absolutely fantastic. He was one of the big hyped new players that was coming in in uh, around the league, and certainly he was the big acquisition for the Portland Timbers. I haven't looked, but I have to assume that just like Diego Rubio, Sebastian Blanco is questionable with a soft tissue injury in this game as well. Um, and this team is once again, Mark, uh, questionable at center back and questionable in terms of who up top is going to do things. And I don't think it particularly matters, listeners, because despite the fact that the Timbers are injured and having issues and got absolutely shelled by Minnesota in Emmanuel Reynoso's triumphant return to the Allianz on Saturday, Mark, it would absolutely not surprise me if Portland found a way to uh, continue this trend of the Rapids being slump busters SC. And as we have seen, seen, Mark, even in situations where the Timbers are in dire straits, they can come to Dick Sporting Goods Parts Park and be effective and find a way to get a result. And, you know, as I was just mentioning earlier, Mark, where Houston's an improved team, Dallas is obviously a good team, albeit on Saturday, as we'll get to, they'll be without Jesus Ferreira, who will probably be scoring a hat trick the next day for um, the USMNT in the Gold Cup. It's not obvious to me, Mark, other than maybe that Austin game where your next easiest possible home win for the Rapids is because you you got nil nil draws against Sporting Kansas City and against um 
LA Galaxy the other week. Uh, you're not getting Toronto, Chicago, New York Red Bull, or Charlotte for home games if we're looking at Eastern Conference opposition. You've already played Minnesota, the other team that is below the red line in the Western Conference. So, I mean, if you don't beat Portland, then you've got Vancouver, Houston, and Austin, all of whom are mid-table. Like, Mark, this is the easiest home game the Rapids are going to have the rest of the way. And if you find a way to be just better than them on performance, but then ultimately drop points and get a draw, this just further highlights how bad this season is. Yeah, I mean, Portland Portland was a team where we were talking uh, in the offseason about them like... They're old and they're creaky, but I said that last year, so maybe they get it together. And, you know, you never you never want to look at a lineup full of 30-year-olds and say, like, these guys are over the hill and they can't get it done. Because every once in a while, they'll have they'll all be healthy at the same time. Well, they also also had two great players on this lineup who were exciting and people were had buzz about um, Eric Williamson and um, David Ayala. Well, Eric Williamson and David Ayala both had torn ACLs. Uh, to start the season and then they've got three or three of their old creaky players on the shelf right now which is Dairon Asprilla uh, Sebastian Blanco and Yimmy Chara Dairon I love saying Asprilla I don't know why I know it's Asprilla there might be more Portland Timbers fans listening to this than Rapids fans given how voraciously they consume away media that isn't the Seattle Sounders in this one and I don't want us to get hate mail or hate DMs uh, especially given I have disrespected Dairon Aspria in the past for only being a playoff team playoff player but this is effectively a playoff game for both teams. Let's not disrespect Dairon Aspria. Anyhow, point being looking let's let's disrespect their back line which is Zuparic Mabiala and um, uh, Claudio Bravo, not the and one who... former Colorado Rapid, whose mom follows us on Twitter. Eric Miller. And so um, it's not a great back line. Um, Miller's, Miller's fine. He's a solid player, but he's he's definitely lost a step at fullback. Zuparic and Mabiala are not spectacular. Um, and so the, that's, I think, the only thing that the Rapids have to look forward to, which is that they're looking at a team... That just isn't very, isn't very um, solid at the back line. Um, Ivasic, uh, their their uh, goalkeeper is is very strong. So I don't know. That's that's what they got going for them. But yes, this is a winnable game for the Rapids. They they're but they're also Portland's coming into this saying we are, you know, playing a team that is even weaker than us. This is our best chance. And I don't know that things have been so great for the Rapids on Fourth of July the last couple of years. So I I think this this game feels like a nil nil or a one one draw at best, um, which I think uh, Portland will take. They're sitting in twelfth, uh, and the Rapids are sitting in dead last in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through right now, Mark, the um, game notes from Portland Timbers from their weekend game uh, against Minnesota, and. Teams aren't always consistent in their formatting on this mark, so I'm not seeing the I'm not seeing where the injury stuff is listed. But if I just go to the lineup that you have on MLSsoccer.com, I do not see a Vander anywhere in the 20. It's no longer 18 listeners. There's uh, eight guys on or nine guys on the bench technically. Um, who else do I not see? I do not see um, Sebastian Blanco as well in this game as well. And um, I, uh, to your point, Rabbi, I only see the one Diego Chara who started for the team but did 
record an own goal as well. So, uh, th- th- like, I, th- I'm i going to—I think there's an argument to make. I, I think we can still say, Rabbi, even with the injuries that— born in Kansas City had that they're a better team and they're proving to be a better team on paper than they were when they came to Dick's Sport and Goods Park and I, w- I would say other than the LA Galaxy who obviously you know had only one healthy center back available for them I think there's a very easy argument that if this is the lineup and the bench that um that Giovanni Savarese is forced to play tomorrow night that this will be one of the worst if not the one of the two worst if not the worst MLS teams to come to Dick Sporting its Park and again if you can't find a way to dominate them and actually score then you know it, you deserve the wooden spoon at this point which apparently rabbi I'm openly campaigning for housing here on the holding the high line Jeff Lorenowitz Memorial Kitchen Island in the event nobody from C38 wants that juju in and around their house I'll go to um, I'll, I'll go to Home Depot and get a nice piece of wood and stain it and, you know, chisel and like buy a soldering iron and put some words on and then go to what's left of Bed Bath and Beyond and buy a wooden spoon and nail it to a thing and and hang it in my living room if nobody else wants to. I, I am all are we, in. Are, are, are we claiming our own? Are we making our own trophy, Mark? This is like the so there's the Jules Rimet trophy and then they give you and they, they you celebrate when you actually win the World Cup and then you get a replica of it. It's not like the Stanley Cup. Are you advocating we make our own Memorial Rapids wooden spoon? We we might, but I don't want to. It's not. It's not, I, I would. I would rather finish runner up again. I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want that man. I don't want it. Don't put it on me, man. Hold on, Mark. We got breaking news here from Rapids Communications. Uh, Colorado Rapids sign uh, Costa Rican international Daniel Chacon. Um. Oh yeah, we we saw this rumor um, a few weeks ago. So um, he is on loan to Alajuelense, a decent team in the Costa Rica um, La Liga for the remainder of 2023, and he signed a two-year deal with the first team, an MLS contract through 2025. Um, Mark, I don't think he's gotten enough. Well, this isn't relevant for the rest of the season. He still has yet to get a enough minutes at the MLS next pro level to where I'm convinced that he's better than the other players that we've talked about. Um, Mark, anything you want to say about Daniel Chacon while I retweet this? I vaguely, I mean, he was what with um, Rapids two last season. And now he, and then he was sent on loan to something called Cartagena um, in Costa Rica. I, I, I don't, I don't know what this means. I guess, um, He's 22. Maybe they're just like, this is the throwing spaghetti on a wall theory of front office, which is, you know, sure, we'll try this. Maybe it'll help. You know, um, I don't know. I don't really uh, know whether this this is much of a move or not. I I definitely have watched him play a game for R2, but I definitely don't have any memory of it. So and it was he was with us when we were having a, a biblically bad season. So. It's interesting. It's an interesting move, um, but I'm not. It's not. It's not the move that will definitely get us to the playoffs. On loan to Alajuelense in the rest of 2023 in Costa, in his native Costa Rica, he signs a two a two year extension. Technically, signs a two year deal at the MLS level with a team option for would be 2026 technically yeah so 24 25 or 20 20 
All right, so we Previous won't see theme. him. We won't see him this year, anyways. But maybe next year. Maybe he'll be helpful next year. Okay. All right. I've I've tweeted this out. All right, there, listeners. There's your inside baseball. Of the oh my god, there's breaking news. But instead of being like, oh, I need to tweet something. I need to write something. Uh, instead, we talk about it on the podcast. Okay. I'm glad we got that through. Okay. It's okay. only breaking news in that like we have a player who won't play for us until February of next year. But we have yeah. a new player. Okay, uh, Mark, let's move on. <sighs> uh, I'm going to preface this, Rabbi, by saying, assuming Evander and Sebastian Blanco are not available for tomorrow, I think the Rapids finally get a home win. I, th- I think they win. I, I think they win 1-0. I don't think it's convincing. I don't think it's impressive. Um, who scores the goal? Oh my God! Uh, can I say a Laris Mabiala own goal? Am I allowed to say that? All right. So yes, I am. I'm predicting a Rapids home win. Rabbi, what you got? I called it as a one-one draw. Um, I think. Uh, let's say. I don't know. Let's let's call it another um, Lalas Bubakar uh, header headed goal. Okay. All right. Um, what was the other, I, I should point out listeners, uh, Chris Bianchi is once again being the, uh, prophet of doom when it comes to a weather standpoint. There's another decent chance that we'll get a lot of hail in the late afternoon, early evening tomorrow. Um, and he's strongly suggesting that people have a primarily indoor option as far as 4th of July is concerned. Um, so we'll we'll see whether or not that impacts kickoff as well, Mark. Technically, hail doesn't. I I think it's technically lightning, but uh, we'll we'll see how big that hail gets. I've been hailed on the the last two the two of the last four hikes that I've been on, Mark. So it's been um it's been rough, and I'm over it. And somehow this is punishment for us making the U.S. Open Cup less fun by eliminating hailstorm back in April or whenever it was. Um. Really briefly, Mark, I, I'm not sure if we're going to podcast Rabbi later on this week, so let's at least touch on Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a good team. They've got a um, they've got a decent group of players. I, I, um, the one big absence they obviously have is Jesus Ferreira, who um, I just learned this the other day. Mark, the Gold Cup did away with the option to rotate out the six roster spots that you had between the end of the group stage and the start of the knockout stage. So if their uh, players were on the preliminary roster, you could send some guys home after the group stage and then bring in new guys as well. So we've seen that in the past where it was like a B team for the, uh, like a B team of MLS guys for the gold cup. And then you bring in either the European based USMNT players or maybe the other big starters so that you, for any individual player, any individual team in MLS, you don't lose a guy for more than two weeks, even though it's an international tournament that coincides with league play. And then obviously you've only got two weeks for the guys playing in Europe. So then they get a little bit more of a break in the summer. If they're doing away with that, that doesn't particularly matter because Christian Pulisic already played in the Nations League and BJ Callahan mostly rotated as well. But so as, as far as I know, listeners, unless there's a injury or it's a situation like with Aiden Morris where he was granted over the weekend the right to leave the team for personal reasons, whatever that means, I don't see a viable path in which David Jesus Ferreira is released from the USMNT so he does not play Sunday for the Yanks in their quarterfinal 
and then is ultimately then available for the game on Saturday um, for FC Dallas against the Rapids. So they'll be without him. They've been without him. That being said, Mark, uh, they got a win against LAFC, who are struggling recently. Let me see what they did over the weekend. I'm not sure if they played. Did they? Uh, they got it. Yeah, that was their 2 0 win against LAFC. The goal scorers in that game were Kamingo and then Junqua. Uh, Junqua. Um, so, uh, Mark, I think Dallas is a good team. I think with Jesus Ferreira uh, starting and fully healthy, they are a top four team in the MLS Western Conference. And this is a chance to have probably another big crowd at DSG um, with probably a decent FC Dallas traveling group because it's the middle of the summer. Drew Moore will be inducted into the Gallery of Honor at halftime. That's the first time we've had that since the 4th of July game. What was it? A couple years ago. Might have been last year, technically, when Pablo Mastorini came back as well. It's fitting that uh, Drew Moore is getting inducted into the Rapids Gallery of Honor against his former club in FC Dallas and also the team who he won MLS Cup against, the team who he made his final professional appearance again in this fixture last year, second to last game of the season. Uh, Mark, I don't see... Um, even if the um, even if the Rapids win on Tuesday, I don't see a viable path to them winning this game. I think it's at best a nil-nil draw, where Dallas is mostly content with a nil-nil draw, barring, of course, the Rapids, Pork Smith making the signing of the secondary transfer window um, and that player being available for Saturday, or somehow Diego Rubio getting over whatever ails him and him being 90 minutes fit and firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I'll be brief. I mean, uh, the thing that's interesting is what you said is like you buried the lead. You said exactly what I what needed to be said. Would you bury the one key important thing, which is this team, Jesus Ferreira has 10 goals. Nobody else in the team has more than two. And the guy who scored the game winning or the the go ahead goal in the game against LAFC that they won this last week, it was his first goal of the season. So um, that's the question, which is without Jesus Ferreira in the lineup, which he won't be in the lineup because he's off with the Gold Cup with the USMNT, who's going to score the goals for Dallas? The problem with the Rapids is we don't have any goal scorers no matter what. I mean, if Diego Rubio is not healthy and there's no indication that he is, um, then we just don't have a guy. So, um, yeah, so that's that's our problem right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not as optimistic as you are. I think... Uh, uh, we're probably going to lose to Dallas because they're getting it done with all sorts of players. They have a very strong young team. Um, they're so strong that former, um, you know, like star boy Paxton Pomacall is now uh, a rotation player uh, off the bench kind of guy for them. And he's, uh, you know, basically he's he's vintage Dylan Powers for the Colorado Rapids, which if he were on the Colorado Rapids, he'd start every game and probably be our best central midfielder and he's their fourth best option so that's where we're at they don't necessarily need to have the best striker in the world because they've had a strong back four and they have really good creation out of the midfield so we're gonna lose to dallas we're gonna lose to dallas by two um it doesn't matter that it's a home game uh that's yeah. that's my prognostication uh pomico would be a really good distressed asset mark if fc dallas was remotely open to trading their distressed assets to the rapids anymore though except money and they even then i don't know that uh that that the front office wants to be making moves to take below average to replace our below average players with average players but you know you're right i mean if if he were a buy low guy we could get him but i think they're excited to have him for a stretch run so can I interest you in top goal scorer in MLS Next Pro, Remy Cabral, and can we accidentally send Kevin Cabral and see if they notice? <laughs> we'll just braid their hair differently and make sure and hope that nobody notices. 
Yes, wig, fake mustache. This is this is foolproof, Rabbi. Yeah, Remy put on a mustache. You're what a five years older now. You go, you know, like or or uh, Cabral. Here's some Botox. Smooth out those wrinkles. You're younger. Go. Uh, I think they're I think they're twins, Mark. Are they? They might be. Let's look this up. Positions though, right? Remy's a fullback. Uh, no, Remy. Remy's a striker. Remy's been scoring goals for. Uh, so Remy is 23. Uh, I, I don't think so. So he was born on July 10th, 1999. And if I search Kevin Cabral, I think they're twins. July 10th, ni- 1999. All right. That's ridiculous because, by the way, I only learned there was a Remy Cabral when he came on the field in Columbus. And I had never heard of him before. I was like, are they pulling my leg? Did they just, did they just recycle Kevin without telling me? But yeah, it's like uh, it, you've seen the the baseball conspiracy theory, Mark, that Jose Canseco, I think, has an identical twin who was mostly a minor linger. And he was on the A's for like one for a cup of coffee when Jose was doing steroids and he only had like 17 at bats. And like there's a theory based on um, the twins numbers and then the spot moments that he's had in MLB elsewhere and then based on his numbers that he had that we reverse did sabermetrics to on uh on his minor league appearances that like he overperformed that and the theory is that overperformance the noise in that signal could have been jose actually taking some of his official like at bats during his cup of coffee with the um soon to be las vegas athletics but Okay, so maybe that's uh, maybe that's a possibility here in 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 their mark that we'll, we'll look into. I will I will study their faces and see how they're different and how their hair is different, and then notice that more seriously when I see one of them make an appearance for the first team or R two. Listeners, follow us on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard. Check out our Rapids related content at the Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. 42 bucks for the year, and that's how you can get the um, cheers to the sixes uh, pint glasses that we are sending out to people. I have not gotten it yet, Rabbi, so yes. Um, and then obviously check out my content at burgundywave.com where I'll be updating the the Rapids 2023 summer transfer rumor tracker to include Daniel Chacon's contract extension and loan. Um, and then obviously check us out on the socials at Rapids 96 podcast on Twitter to the extent that that still exists, assuming Elon hasn't completely destroyed it because he desperately wants people to sign up for Twitter blue and now it's become pay to play. Uh, or there's always the email address Rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we might see you later this week to debrief on Portland. We might see you this week or next week for me having a long form interview with Drew Moore, or we might see you after we recap two losses is this week and look ahead to an upcoming home loss against Houston Dynamo. We'll see you then. Peace.